Cool. So. Hey there. Now that we. Hey there. Now that we've done all of our planning. I'm so proud of us. We we just finished all of uh well the the bulk of our 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 Vegas vacation planning. Yeah, buddy. Look at us being productive. I'm very proud. Me too. I was hella productive yesterday. Good for you. I've been productive for like a week straight, but I'm fucking exhausted. Oh yeah. <sighs> yeah, I gotta clean the house today. We have our roomie moving in this weekend. What? Our roomie is moving in this weekend. Like a permanent roomie? Bee's cousin. Oh. Yeah, she, she's the one that's going to be here for like nine months. Oh, that's right. That's for like right. like a whole ass baby. Yeah. Yeah. With a what? For, I said for like a whole ass oh, baby. Oh, I thought you said with a whole ass baby and I was like, ew. I don't want to. I oh, would not want to no. live with a child. Hell no. I'm set on that. Hell no. <laughs> the only child I will be living with is my own. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, been so I'm glad we're both having a productive week and a productive day so far. Look at us go. We're killing it. We're we're I know. We're killing it. I postponed so I started writing my notes for this episode like two nights ago and then I didn't write anything the next night. And then last night I was supposed to just like I was good I the idea during the day was that like okay I'm gonna get home I'll relax a little bit and I'll write my notes well I got a wild hair at my ass and I wanted to crochet so I went and got okay yarn and a crochet hook and uh and I started crocheting a blanket fair I that is fair I actually you know what I I know I knew how to crochet I know how to knit too but like I knew how to crochet very vaguely and at one point I had crocheted myself like a really shitty hat and then I actually crocheted myself a decent hat but, like, I hadn't done it in a really long time, and I usually was using, like, really shitty yarn. And I've always wanted to make a blanket, goddammit. I've made, like, one blanket, which turned out okay, but it's not, like, straight, so the edges are weird looking. Then I just sewed that. But, like, I wanted to, cro- like, knit or crochet a blanket. And let me tell you, crocheting is a lot faster moving than knitting. Really? I mean, at least it feels that way, because I'm already on my fourth row. And it's just, like, I know that, like, knitting hurts my hands really quickly. Like, my hands really start Mm -hmm. to hurt very quickly from knitting. With crocheting, the only thing that really ends up hurting is kind of, like, my shoulder from the way I – or my elbow from the way I have to kind of, like, sit. But, yeah, so Mm -hmm. I started crocheting a blanket, and I'm already on, like, my fourth or fifth row, and it's a queen size. Like, the the width of the blanket is my wingspan, so it's tall – or long. Tall. Long? Wide. I don't know. Anyways. It's wide. Instead of doing my notes, that's the moral of the story. I crocheted. <laughs> I wanted That's to get fair. better. But yeah, so I, I started doing that. But then I did all my notes this morning and uh, cleaned up the house a little bit over here. It's looking okay. House has looked in decent shape for going on like three weeks now since I've been on this weird Marie Kondo kick of mine. Woo! The one that, you know, sometimes, sometimes ADHD is a blessing when you hyper fixate on things and it leads you to getting your shit together. That's right. I'm hoping I have one of those today. You, yeah, no. It's a good feeling, though. No, but honestly, it's so good feeling because, like, I look at things and I'm like, I should throw that away. And I just do it. Or I should get rid of that. And I just do it. I have got Liz. 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 Tell me about it. Tell me about it. You've known me for quite a long time. You know I am a pack rat. You know I don't like to throw things away. I don't like to get rid rid of things. I am. The accumulator. That is really like an accurate <laughs> title for me. I got rid of so much stuff over the past three weeks or so. I have just 
gone absolutely nuts with getting rid. I got rid of a bunch of clothes. I got rid of a bunch of appliances I didn't use. I just started getting rid of little things I didn't use either. And it feels good. Good. I think my big key, because I don't like to throw things away. Because I'm like, well, that could have been useful or I feel really wasteful. And I'm already naturally wasteful enough. I don't want to make it worse by making the conscious decision to be wasteful. And so I actually just started giving things away. And like, I'm too lazy to conduct a yard sale or have people come knock on my front door to come get things or leave things on my porch for people because then it's a free for all. So I I just brought everything to the mail room and left things down there for people to take if they wanted. And then it would get thrown away if it didn't get picked up. Everything en- has ended up getting taken really quickly, which is awesome because I don't, I don't know, like it didn't feel shitty to get rid of it at that point. Yeah. It was like. Because then it's being used at least by somebody. Exactly. And it made it a lot easier in my mind to be like, well, I'm not using it. Somebody else could be using this. So feeling pretty good over here. Tired, but pretty good. Good. Yeah. Proud of you. Thanks. I took Isabel to the vet yesterday. Oh, how's she doing? Her mouth. She's good. She was drugged up yesterday. Let me tell you, she was loopy doopy. She was... She was loopy doopy. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah. So I dropped her off at 830 and I didn't get her until five. Oh, damn. We took her in because we thought she had an abscess and she didn't. She just had like a bad case of gingivitis. Well, that's good. And a bunch of shit in her ear. <sighs> like just debris from being outside and shit. She Debris-ce. just had we- whole weeds in her ear. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, the biggest piece they pulled out was, like, that big. And, oh, oh, God, just out out of her ear. Yeah, so they're like, well, we're glad you said something about her ear, because we had to go in there with fucking forceps while she was out. Wow. And I was like, well, yeah. That's wild. And so they said that if she still has her symptoms after all of this, it might be actually, like, an osteoarthritis in the jaw type dealio which don't want to have to deal with that but so hopefully she's all good and it was just irritation from her ear and the gingivitis and oh sorry i was gonna say you guys should consider doing um some cosequin for her what's that i mean both ringo and her could take it it's a joint supplement oh okay you can get it at like costco you can get it on yeah cosequin so c-o-s-s no, C-O-S-E-Q-U-I-N, Cosequin. You can okay. find it on, like, Amazon. Sometimes you can find it on Sailing Costco and any of those stores. Um, and it's just a joint supplement. I'll be quite honest. I don't – I've never given any of my dog supplements or anything, but maybe it'll help her out a little bit. Or CBD, too. Yeah. CBD is a great option. I'm yeah, about we do to start have buying CBD. CBD for Umbersol. Yeah, we got it for Ringo, but I think we're going to start using it on Izzy. There you go. Look at us. We're being such good adults. And, I mean, now I have, like, a 401k. Fuck yeah. Proud of you. I'm a real adult. Thanks, you know? Yeah, you are. I haven't scheduled the doctor's appointments that I need to schedule, but I got a 401k, so if I make it to 2065, I can retire. Woohoo! That's awesome. I am my mother's entire retirement plan. (laughs) I just told my mom the other day that when she becomes senile, I'm moving her out here the minute she becomes senile. (laughs) Well, no, 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 no. Okay. I I told her she she currently lives in Florida, right? 
And I think she lives pretty close to like the Florida, Alabama line, Florabama. But like she is having surgery at some point relatively soon, I think. And it's just on her wrist. It's not like a major surgery, but like she literally has to take herself to a hotel in Tallahassee. And then like she said taxi. And I don't know why I found it so funny. She's like, yeah, I'm just going to taxi to the hospital and then I'll get a taxi back to my hotel. And I was like, you mean Uber? <laughs> like, like <laughs> my mother's old, apparently. Um, She's still taxiing. Fuck taxis. Yeah, and that's weird. Yeah, like you don't taxi unless you can only pay cash. Like what and taxis are expensive as the only person i know yeah they are i was literally just having this conversation the other day because when my my jeep broke down i had to get um i had to uber slash taxi to work and when i didn't have any money in my account in which to uber i would have to get a taxi it was almost 15 dollars to get from my house to work it was almost 50 dollars to get to work to back from work to my house but anyways I told her, I was like, mom, like, I don't like that you have to go to a surgery on your own. Like, that sucks. Yeah. And she said it's because she has nobody to go with her. And I'm like, I was like, you really should consider moving like either over to Arizona with me or back like closer to Massachusetts or in Alabama so that you're near people you know. Like, it's not like I think she's going to get hurt or something. But if something were to happen, there's nobody nearby her. Like, okay. you That's scary. Yeah. And, like, you could say the same thing about me. I live across the country from my all of my family. But, like, at the same time, I'm not at as high of a risk as she is. Yeah. At the end of the day. So, you know, it's just like, mom. And then she's like, I'm not. I'm staying right here. She's so fucking stubborn. I guess I see where I fucking get it from. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know if you have anything. I was anything. like, can you, really, can you really talk shit about that? No, I can't. I don't know if we have anything super big to announce, do we? Or like anything really interesting to chitter chat about? Um, oh, I dropped my chip. Um, That's what you get for eating. I'm so fucking hungry. I feel I had two Hot Pockets while we were trip planning. I know, I should have done it while we were trip planning because now I'm going to have to go out and edit all my crunching, but... Let me just That's shove okay. my face a couple I- more times with chips. No, you do your thing, chicken wing, because I eat when you do your stories all the time. So, I mean, it works out. <laughs> okay, then let's just do the intro. Okay, let's do it. Hi, guys. I'm Liz. And I'm Allie. And welcome to That Shit Is Fucked. A.K.A. T.S.I.F. If it's weird, spooky, creepy, or just fucked up, we're going to talk about it. So if you're into the fucked up shit like we are, strap on in and we'll take you for a ride. Buckle up, motherfuckers. Wow, I fall further and further from grace each time I do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... Also, I thought about something that I should have said before the intro, but now I remembered it because I was like, don't forget to tell Liz about this. So I saw one of those like, you know how you see those little articles online all the time that are like, oh, this company will pay you $170 million to sit around for 70 days and do nothing. Like, have you seen those? I'm exaggerating, of course, but like, have you seen those? I think I've seen one. It's like paid yeah. studies, but they're kind of bogus and they're or they're really out of the water or whatever. 
well, yeah, I saw one yesterday and I was just like cruising through and I see one and I'm like, huh, because it almost seemed like a reasonable like, OK, this makes sense. So I went to it and it basically said, like, this company will pay you one thousand three hundred dollars to watch 13 horror movies. And I was like, hi, I'm Allie. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen all 13 of them, if if not most of them. But I was reading it and basically this company will send like they'll pay you $1,300 to watch these 13 movies. But the catch is you have a time frame. You have from like the 9th to the 18th of October to watch them. Uh, They send you a $50 gift card to cover the cost of renting the movies. And then you get paid Mm -hmm. uh, $1,300. But you also have to wear a Fitbit while you're watching the movies. And you have Mm. to, like, document the experience. Like, they have these, like, sheets that you have to fill out. It didn't really, like, go into detail about how, like, detailed the sheets were. But I don't know why I said detailed like that. I just wanted to be bougie, I guess. Detailed. How detailed are they? Um, But, like, then there was a link to the application. And I was like, I mean, I'd be a fool not to. So I actually filled out the application and it looked pretty legit. Like you go through, I filled out my name, um, my like, you know, my personal information, not like a bunch of personal. It was like my name, my email, my phone number kind of stuff. Basic, basic stuff. Yeah. And then like it asked a couple of questions like, you know, what like do you have any memories like about horror movies that are really significant to you or you know, what is your background with horror movies? Why are you a good fit for this? You know, things like that. And I mm-hmm. I totally filled it out and I submitted it. And I think it would be dope as fuck if I got chosen as a candidate. That would be so cool. Yeah. So they send you this little Fitbit that you wear so that it can track your heart rate while you're watching the movies and test for like jump scares. I think the goal of the study is to try to find out like if high budget horror films versus lower budget horror films like which one is really scarier or are they comparable so i thought that was really cool yeah i wanted to share that and i almost forgot that is super cool i hope you get it thanks me too i'll keep you guys posted okay so to dive right in i feel like that was the shortest what are you gonna be telling me about and i gotta pull up my notes you would think I would be so much, like, vastly more prepared to do anything, but nah. I am never prepared to do anything at all, no matter how much warning I have. That is so accurate, Liz. Okay. All right. I, t- I told you all last week my topic for this week's episode maybe like, a little series, and it might be different from what we normally do. Most of what we cover are things that are, or at the very least, could be true, right? Like, true crime yeah. or paranormal stories i mean even cryptids to a degree like to to kind of a certain degree like a legend kind of thing right well this week i am going to be diving into a little bit of what's called unfiction 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 so this may be a familiar term to anybody who anybody who kind of is like on the spooky side of the internet so unfiction kind of describes various artistic mediums that more or less just pretend to be real okay so so are we talking is this like like um what the fuck is it called creepypasta so it's in the same umbrella 
as a creepypasta. Yes. So like one original example of a work of unfiction pretty much everybody knows about is the Blair Witch Project, a.k.a. found footage films. Those so basically we know they're not real. Right. It is not actively acknowledged by the creators that it's not real. Okay, so it's like I said, it's pretending that it's real. You know, you already brought up creepypastas. They're those viral, scary stories. I say those viral, scary stories like I haven't read and listened to (laughs) and seen a bunch of creepypastas. And been a part of all of the things. Yes. Also, speaking of, and maybe I'll do a whole video of creepypastas, but there was a sci-fi series that went on, I don't know how long, pretty briefly maybe, but they covered, like, they did a multi-episode span, even a season, I think, of a creepypasta, I believe, um, called Candle Cove, which was one of my favorites when I was originally, like, learning about them. So look up Candle Cove. It's pretty cool. And again, maybe I'll cover it in the future because I like this kind of stuff. It's not, look, just because it's not real doesn't mean it's not absolutely fascinating to think that, one, somebody probably created this, but also, like, it's kind of a cool thing. Anyways yeah there's also like the no sleep the no sleep forum on reddit which we all know like they're these very crazy stories but most of the time they're fake and they can even be associated with creepypastas drop it i'm sorry one second isabel drop it you can't fit there ringo get down come on so i'm gonna go put her outside she's throwing a fit that she's stuck inside okay come on no you don't get to go because you're a murderer because you're a murderer. I apologize. I am back and I brought myself more snacks. So what I was saying was like, we all know about creepypastas, the no sleep forum on Reddit. So like, as the internet began to rise in popularity for, you know, all these various topics, things like unfiction were still kind of in the background, also rising to popularity. And there's, we have ARGs now, right? Um, And that stands for alternate reality games. Those have also risen up in popularity. And I'm a huge fan of ARGs. You can see them everywhere. But these basically are stories that involve active participation with an audience via like code breaking, puzzles, sometimes even physical locations. There's actually a pretty famous ARG that was done, I think, with the Dark Knight. One of the Batmans, I, I the, like the Christian Bale, the first Christian Bale Batman. Okay. But they're really popular and they got more popular, especially with YouTubers that began like talking about them and doing dissection videos on them and like finding all these really cool puzzles and interesting just facts and all this interesting stuff there's a lot of great youtubers like nightmind night docs lowy lane they cover a lot of these popular args i literally could go on and on all day about args that i've watched some of them are like really scary some of them are really like they really try to be as realistic as possible some of them are kind of goofy and have gotten weird and and are just mysterious but maybe and again maybe this is something we can do an episode on in the future if you guys seem to be into the idea of talking about these non-fiction type things but in any case today we're going to be talking about the unfiction universe of the scp foundation what is that (laughs) Was that a genuine reaction (laughs) or were you being? Yeah. What? Oh, okay. I couldn't tell if that was just like overacting. That's kind of why I described like what unfiction was because we'll start off. This is a work of unfiction. As any interesting internet phenomena, this started on 4chan. 
as they all do. In 2007, 4chan user Moto42 or the USS Walrus, his real name apparently is Wesley Williams, which also sounds very fake. <laughs> So he Does any of this guy's alias is real? I don't know. So he posted a short story titled From the Files of Site 19 to their paranormal forum. The short story detailed special containment procedures for item SCP-173. And it was written in like a really scientific kind of manner. It like detailed what the item in question was, what it did and how to contain it. And from there, more stories had begun to circulate and pop up in a very similar fashion. They were other items in needing of special containment. This ended up leading to the creation of the wiki, which I never understood like the difference between wiki and Wikipedia until like recent years, I guess. But maybe it's not that old. I don't know. I don't know how long wikis have been around. I guess probably for a while, but I don't know. Anyways, I don't even know, like, wiki? Yeah, like, have you ever looked up, like, a fandom of some sort? Like, you could look up. Yeah, like the wiki D&D, wiki fandom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So this has its own wiki. But I did get, I will say I did get a little bit of my information from Wikipedia, but most of what I got for the actual lore and things like that is from the SCP wiki, which is very well laid out. It's, you can tell a lot of effort's been put into it. And we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that. But anyway, so all these stories kind of began collecting at this wiki site. Collective stories all shared very similar writing styles as the as the original SCP-173. They were all like scientific observation, methods of containment, descriptions of whatever the things they were describing were. And this ended up giving birth to what is now known as the SCP Foundation. These stories cover a wide variety. Can I just of- say that it sounds like the like the um, the dog charity? I didn't know there was a dog charity that sounds similar, but the AS or the oh, ASPCA. <laughs> SCP, ASPCA, vastly different. And some people listening might already have heard this if they've been into like creepypastas and things like that or like Reddit. Redditors, mm-hmm. probably. I bet V. I feel like it is V home. No, she's at work. No, she's in class. She's uh, not here. Well, damn. I it, V, if you're listening to this, did you already know what the SCP Foundation was? Because I feel like you're somebody who would. So uh, these stories covered like genres from all over, but the majority focus of the of the articles that were being written were suspense and horror. And now, years later, there are YouTube channels, websites, TikTok accounts, and I mean, even more various media outlets that cover and dedicate themselves to SCP stories and lore. There's even books, video games that have been created. I think there's movies. They're probably lower budget movies, I'm pretty sure. There's some fucking fantastic SCP miniature YouTube movies on there that are actually very well made. It's all been created over this amazing work of collaborative unfiction. And I think that's why I'm so into it. Um, You know, Liz and I play D&D. We both very much enjoy like the role playing aspect. I love RPGs in general. I think they're really fun games. So I think the idea of like immersing yourself in this kind of universe of this fantastical nature is just awesome. The question is like, what what is the SCP Foundation in quote unquote in universe, right? It's funny. I actually had to explain what canon meant to my to my manager because she didn't know. 
I appreciate that. Yeah. So you are, so we know I don't function well with the, the, the theories of, of anything. Mm. I don't wrap my brain around anything very well. Okay. So this, just before we proceed any further, this is an quote unquote alternate reality that has been created. I think that is the best description of it. Yeah. Okay. Continue, please. I would like to know what the ASPCA is doing. Well, the ASPCA is doing something a lot different than the SCP Foundation. That'd be an episode for a whole nother uh, ep- <laughs> topic. I don't know anything about the ASPCA Foundation. What am I saying? For one quarter a day. Oh, stop it. Jesus. <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin comes in. In the, the arms SCP... of an angel. Don't let Sadie hear that song. She really... She really acts the part when she hears that. (laughs) The SCP Foundation, it stands for Special Containment Procedure, but it also stands for the motto of the foundation, which is Secure, Contain, Protect. So SCP. Now, according to the wiki, this organization should just be referred to as the foundation, unless you're a noob. And this this secret organization is responsible for capturing often dangerous phenomena called SPCs or anomalies. And what's interesting to note is that SPCs aren't necessarily creatures some might be artifacts physical locations and like even further beyond like inconceivable concepts Hmm. and it's the foundation's job to secure contain and protect and protect (laughs) protect so some of these scps are actually so dangerous that they're considered world ending you know that's that's the kind of like the this is the vibe of the scp foundation like lore you know okay now captured anomalies are hidden from the public much the same way that the government covers up the existence of extraterrestrial life the foundation is overseen by what is referred to as the o5 which is also known as the council of observers level five or overseer level five council and this council is comprised of 12 to 13 people who make the final decisions regarding the entire foundation. Now, the interesting thing is, though, nobody actually knows the identity of the O5. They're actually referred to as their numbers, so 1 through 13, and they're not allowed any interactions at all with any of the SCP anomalies. Okay. Do you know, is this a position that you are... Like a part of the, like an agent of the SCP first and you work your way up into an observer position? That is a really interesting question to pose. And perhaps in a future episode, I can dive into that. I didn't go into the depth of the history of the SCP, but the wiki, which is where I got 90% of my information here, has like a four or five part history series of the SCP Foundation itself. So maybe that'll be in there. So I will have to uh, take a peeksy and keep looking it up. Take a peeky at the wiki. Take a wiki peeky. So I want you to know, wait, pause for a second. Okay. I know that this has been like, like it's a, it's a nonfiction or an Mm -hmm. unfiction. Yeah. It's a nonfiction. It's an unfiction. But I'm just like laughing at the idea that like somebody created this like alternate reality or like this foundation and everyone's like, oh yeah, it's an unfiction. It's, it doesn't really exist, you know, like it's, it exists, but it doesn't really exist. And then the government's just like that picture, like the awkward picture of that guy yeah. like, making con- like yeah. contact and they're all, yeah. Yeah. No. Oh my God. That's just what they want us to think. How unfiction is this really? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Well, 
for now and so that I don't have, you know, the CIA or the foundation itself at my door, we're going to go with it's completely unfiction. And actually, there are some really good like on TikTok, there is a an account I follow who is like he is an SCP um, scientist. And there's like a bunch of those accounts, apparently, and he ended up tagging a bunch of them at one point. So I looked them up, too. And it's it's just really cool how people have really gotten into like the cosplay of it all, the the role play of it all. It's it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, I think that's why I like it so much. It's just so collaborative and just it's very immersive. It sounds it like. is. It is very immersive. You can apply to be like, like you can apply to write like canon SCP stuff, I think. I'm pretty sure. I don't know how all that works. Maybe I'll get into that one day. I love writing. In any case, after being captured by a highly trained mobile task force, SCPs are then taken to a foundation facility, which are also known as sites. There are at least 19 sites that I know of, but I really didn't delve into... I didn't go as... I wanted to cover some of the terms of what the SCP were in this episode because this is a huge universe. Like, this is why I said it might be like a little series that pops up here and there to give us a little bit of break from the real world or whatever. So there are at least 19 sites that I know of. And a lot of, like, the SCP stories you see will will mention what site they're at or what site they were brought to, what site they escaped from, whatever. Like, they're so detailed. Like, there are... a cast of characters in this like it's it's fascinating it's just so big when it's possible to bring them to a a foundation facility they do there are occasions where anomalies that will actually need to be contained where they are found and there are also instances where scps cannot be contained or moved so the foundation just goes to work trying to conceal their existence in various ways through mass media things like that which again yeah, the government is side eyeing. Like the FBI agent watching me is like, we gotta, we gotta keep a closer eye on this one. <laughs> we are now on a watch list. We done did it now. We done fucked up, Aaron. So once captured, SCPs are studied by scientists that are tasked with finding the, with finding the best ways to contain them and also how they operate, like how they work. Human test subjects are often used to interact with these anomalies. They are referred to as D-class and typically consist of convicted criminals from around the world. Interactions and studies concerning SCPs are documented. And this is where we get SCP articles, which are the short stories that circulate the internet popping up. Now, in universe, there are other secret organizations that actually work against the foundation. But again, that's one of those things we can talk about in another episode, if this is something everybody wants to keep hearing. Given the complex nature of anomalies and the universe structure itself, there are several important categories for both SCPs and foundation employees. And this is going to be kind of the bulk of the episode at this point, because there's a lot. I'm sorry. Sorry, is this just the men in black? No, no, much different from men in black because the thing about SCPs is they're not extraterrestrials. They're not they're they're not extraterrestrials at the end of the day. So this isn't like this is definitely not the men in black, but it's in that same kind of you know breadth of the men in black. Okay. So while well like the men in black and the S the SCP might work together. Whereas men in black deal with extraterrestrials and the SCP deals with anomalies. Sure. I wouldn't consider these to both be the same 
universe but yes kind of in that similar wake i made okay. up kind of i kind of compiled a glossary of terms here so is there gonna be a vocab test after this yes and and and, and this is like there's a lot of stuff here but i wanted to go over some of the base stuff because if this is something that interests anybody and we do more episodes it's easier to just kind of explain all of this now than have to stop and explain in the middle of you know a future a, episode yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly security clearance levels and this is kind of similar to what various government agencies use. It just determines what information somebody can be privy to. Um, there's level zero through five. So level zero is for official use only. And this is base level clearance for non-essential staff members, which are just kind of like janitors and clerical staff, whatever. They yeah. get no info. They get nothing. Level one, confidential. Personnel with level one clearance typically have little knowledge of SCPs. They don't have access or interaction with objects, but they may be around or have knowledge of sensitive information. And these would, again, these are, these are sometimes like janitor, clerical staff, and things like that. They kind of get only what they absolutely have to to do their job so like the difference the difference between the guy cleaning the hallway and the guy cleaning the room with the artifact in it perfect yes that is like prime prime example hold on one second i must pause pretzel asmr uh level two is restricted so security and security and research staff members are usually in this category and they have a little bit more direct access to information regarding anomalies and once again this is kind of like you know this is a step up from like you know clerical people janitors housekeeping and things like that this is kind of like your intern scientists your entry level entry level scientists yeah is the best description of that let's see level four is top secret so level Mm. four is going to be senior administrative personnel such as site directors mobile task force commanders and did i skip three no yes Mm -hmm. i did Mm -hmm. can we just take no you didn't yes i did i did two restricted and then i just skipped right to four let's go back erase all that Mm -hmm. Ah. so level three (laughs) Level three is secret. This level of clearance requires a little bit more in-depth knowledge of the inner workings and containment procedures of objects. So this would include like senior security members who are really tasked with looking over an object and knowing how it might escape. It also like would include project managers and mobile task force operators. And mobile task force are the people who they're field agents they go out and if something breaks out they're bringing it back or if something starts causing a problem and they discover something they're coming to get it now level four is top secret like the Krabby patty formula (laughs) (laughs) so this this level includes your senior administrative personnel such as site directors and mobile task force commanders and they have access to a lot more sensitive and long-term strategic data because that's their job you know okay so you're kind of getting the people who are really a lot more involved this is one level below the highest level of clearance you could possibly have within the foundation so level five which is pronounced thaumiel i think thaumiel 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 can you please can you fetch me a glass of water thaumiel Thaumiel. So this is the highest level of security clearance within the organization, and it's granted to the O5, who we already kind of briefly discussed, as well as very select few personnel. They have full access to any and all information regarding the foundation, containment procedures, various 
all classified information. And it's funny, I just got like a Reddit pop up, which is trending on RSCP. <laughs> oh, oh my God, even better. It says excited to announce the release date of our short film, SCP Umbra. Umbra. My dog is an SCP now and I'm shook. Oh, this is really cool. Uh, I'll have to see if I can try to like post the link to this somewhere and I'll show it to you real quick. Look at the fucking trailer. Like it looks like a, a it's a, I think it's a short film. I'm not no noob. So personnel are also classified into five different categories, which is class A, B, C, D, and E. So on top of having a security level, you also have a letter. Bingo. So class A is for absolutely essential staff. Them essential workers, bro. These people are allowed zero interaction. They can't get anywhere near an anomaly to prevent contamination of Mm. them. So like the council. Yeah, exactly. The uh, it, that's they're the pretty much prime example of Class A staff. They are evacuated to a secure site in if the event of a containment or breach. And again, like this is to prevent contamination of those people because some of these SCPs have mind affecting abilities. I guess you could call it effects. Mm-hmm. Anyways, mind altering effects. So the next one is going to be Class B. Now these class or this class of personnel are allowed to interact with SCPs that have been cleared of any mind altering effects that they may have and they are important to the smaller local operations within the foundation very similarly to the 05 if there was a breach or contamination they would immediately be evacuated to a secure location in the event of said breach Mm -hmm. next up is our class c These people can interact with most objects so long as they aren't considered considerably hostile or dangerous. Because here's the thing, not all of these anomalies are like fully dangerous in in themselves. Yeah. They just, we don't want them running amok. Now, in the event of a breach, Class C personnel are usually placed in a locked down quarantine and given like medical testing. All right. Now, Class D, which we've already kind of briefly touched on, they can have direct interactions with dangerous anomalies, but are allowed zero contact with personnel in Class A or B. Ouch. Yes. And again, these are like convicted murderers or death row inmates from all over the world. They receive mm-hmm. mandatory psychic, uh, psychic, psychic, psychiatric evaluations. And within a month, class D personnel are either terminated or have their memories erased. That's one of like the common themes of this is there's often some memetic, I think is how it's pronounced, but like memory altering actions that take place but whether it be from an actual object uh or anomaly or it be from the foundation itself in the event of a breach they are actually to be executed immediately wow and i mean honestly in a lot like there are plenty of class d i guess you could call them staff members but there are plenty of class d that end up dying because of the anomaly that's being studied and that's the whole purpose it's kind of like using them instead of sending your top scientists down to observe something yeah they basically do that kind of physical work to make sure that something is safe all right that's mostly it for the personnel side of things now we get into object classes and these categories Mm. are assigned based on how difficult an anomaly is to contain and why it's being contained object classes don't necessarily indicate the level of danger an SCP anomaly presents. 
It's just how easy is it for them to contain it safely. So the first one in this category is safe, which is pretty self-explanatory. Objects in this category are fairly easy to contain and um, they're a lower priority object to expend resources on to study. Mm -hmm. Okay. Euclid. And and I, I will say most of like if you're looking up SCP stories... Most of the ones, I haven't seen a whole lot of safe ones come up. I don't think, like, they're the ones that people are the most, like, into. I think those are going to be the cutesy yeah. kind of stories, like, you know, that kind of tear at your heart a little bit, even. They're yeah. not going to be, like, the full-on blood, guts on the floor horror stories, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but most of the ones I've seen are uh, different classes. So the next class is Euclid, which is E-U-C-L-I-D. Which I kind of like this word. I don't know why. I think it's a cool scientific-y sounding word. Euclid. It, yeah, it does sound pretty cool. I enjoy that as well. Yeah. Um, so this class generally describes anomalies that are more difficult to contain than safe SCPs. Objects in this class are a little bit more unpredictable and they require more effort and resources to study and contain. SCPs that have any level of sentience are usually automatically described as Euclid because of their level of unpredictability. Let's see, we have Keter or Keter? 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 Keter. Ketamine. Keter. <laughs> Ketamine. Methamphetamine? Methamphetamine? What? what? Crack? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, Keter is uh, the description of this classification of SCPs is um, a step beyond Euclid's, right? So containing these SCPs requires a lot of funding and manpower, whether that be active security, whether that be the resources to build some sort of containment unit or the resources to study how it's escaping or how to actively find different ways to contain it. Uh, A lot of studies and observations must be conducted on these SCPs to better understand them. Thaumiel, which sounds familiar, which is like the top level of clearance. Also, this one actually stands for anomalies that are used to contain other anomalies. So they're like boxes for other SCPs. <laughs> okay. Now, there is th- like these are highly classified, especially given the name Thaumiel, when you think about the level five clearance also being of the same name. Um, so there's very little known, but there are articles um, and like stories of these kind of SCPs that you can find. Let's see. Next up is neutralized. As it might suggest, these objects are no longer anomalous and they have been destroyed or, as the category would suggest, neutralized. So these aren't any longer a threat or they are fully contained, requiring very little work to deal with. Hmm. Apollyon, I believe is how it's pronounced. SCPs under this category are virtually uncontainable. Regardless of the efforts of Foundation staff, it is generally expected that these anomalies will eventually breach containment, and most of these are would be uh, likely a world-ending disaster. Okay. Danger. And it's called a polyon? A polyon. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And those, like, and I've All actually, right. I think I've listened to one story about that kind of SCP, and it was pretty interesting. Then there is Archon. Archon anomalies are not contained. This is (laughs) Archon. This is not due to an inability to do so, but rather a choice. In some instances, containment may have a negative impact on our reality. So some of like these things are like reality altering mm. SCPs. And I actually haven't heard any stories about these. Some of these I haven't heard a ton about. So it's kind of cool to get that base level of knowledge in before I like dive into trying to find out more about these exotic SCPs. <laughs> and then foundation personnel use what is called the locked box test to determine an object's class. 
in most instances. This isn't cookie cutter. This isn't going to fit every single anomaly they come across, but this is like their general list of what to do. Yeah. This is how it goes. And I got this from the wiki. Uh, If you lock it in a box, leave it alone and nothing bad will happen, then it's probably safe. If you lock it in a box, leave it alone and you're not entirely sure what will happen, then it's probably Euclid. If you lock it in a box, leave it alone and it easily escapes, then it's probably Cater. If it is the box, then it is probably Thaumiel. (laughs) If you can't fit it in a box and it's about to end the world, then it's probably a polyon. Mm-hmm. And last mm-hmm. but not least, if you could have locked it in the box but chose not to, then it's probably Archon. Interesting. Yes, yes, I say, I say. That's all I, I really didn't want to like do, like again, I could have gone on for fucking ever, you know, and ever about the subject because I think it's really cool and I've been watching all sorts of SCP videos recently. But like if if you want, I can do another episode in the future about it. Probably not like the next. I want you to, but okay. Does that count? Yes, that more than enough. That counts more than anything. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I think this was a really cool um, subject matter. It's different from what we normally do, and I kind of wanted to shake things up. And you know, I know this is probably. I hope this wasn't like kind of droning. You know, I know I'm just giving information about like the lore behind this story, but it's a big universe and there's lots to cover. There is lots to cover. I'm super into it. You've got me hooked. Oh, good. Sinker. Awesome. So maybe I'll do maybe we can do this like I'll do it once a month or something once every other month Ooh. let's see I post that would two be cool. well I post two episodes a month you post two episodes a month so that would make every other one of my episodes in SCP and I don't want to crowd our our uh whole feed with SCP because I think that's a lot so maybe like once every other month you know, once every three or yeah. four episodes, I'll pop one in. You know, we can, you guys let me know what you want to do. If you want to hear more of it and you want me to keep covering the the kind of technical side of things first, we can do that. If you want to mix it up and you want me to start talking about actual objects and SCPs, we can do that because there are plenty of stories about them. You guys, you, Liz, the audience, y'all let me know. <laughs> I'll do it. Who won? Who's next? You decide. Yeah. And that's what I got for you guys this week. I hope you liked it. I did. I enjoyed that a lot. It's like I have never even heard anything about anything, uh, any of what you said today. Really? Yeah. That's I didn't cool. know unfiction so, was a thing. You'll So unfiction, I started hearing that term from, I think, Nightmind, who remember when you and I read that book together? Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. What was it called? Uh, House of Leaves. Yes. House of Leaves, which anybody interested in mind bending suspense, I guess? Horror? I don't know how to describe it. I guess. But anyways, anybody interesting in a spooky read that is a little bit mind bending, I recommend House of Leaves. It is a really interesting book. It's very creative. I first heard the term unfiction from him. I don't think he coined the phrase, but I I find it fascinating. I could just find ARGs and all of that. Very cool. Like one that somebody has the wherewithal to be that creative is amazing to me. Mm -hmm. I just, you know. Like this is a whole ass world that has been created. By by thousands upon thousands of people, no less. It is a really cool collaborative effort. It's like Dungeons and Dragons without the dice. Yes. You know? It's just a colla- it's it's a method of collaborative storytelling and I absolutely adore it. I think it's super cool and it's right up my alley. You know, I'm a spooky girl. <sighs> I like spooks. I like the spooks. Heck yeah. Give me them spooks. But yeah, so we can do more of that. That's super intriguing. 
Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. I am super happy to share that. Oh, sorry. Mm, I think it's my nap time. It's mine as well. I'm well, on that up note. I'm going to bed and nap. I love it. On that note, I will also probably do the same on my couch. So thank you guys for listening. If you ever want to write in about anything, please email thetsifpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you want to buy some stickers, go to our Big Cartel shop, which is bigcartelshop.com slash thetsifpodcast. And of course, follow our socials at thetsifpodcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You'll get updates on those various social platforms as well as a weekly post on Instagram, or at least I try to do a weekly post. Sometimes I'm a little lazy. But again, any (laughs) important updates about the show, you'll get there. And then we have our website, which Liz always knows our link to. Which is thetsifpodcast.wix.site forward slash thetsifpodcast. And with that, we will bid you adieu because it is nap time. Bye. Bye. Noise. Nice.